Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the film club. So, let's talk about some movies. Boo, how are you this fine week? <laughs> I'm alright. I'm just, you know, in awe of that stunning opener that we had. We got a thing going on. I'm trying to trying to find a new voice for the podcast. Yes, yes. And while you're finding your new voice, uh, Happy New Year, because this is the first week of January. Yeah, Happy New Year. We are starting off the new year with a film that we've already talked about, but we're going to talk about it in a different light. Because this is a retrospective. Yeah, it's going to be a a lot different. Okay, probably not that much different, but it's going to be, I don't know, easier listening, I guess. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about Scream from 1996. This is the month of January is going to be all about Scream from the first movie to the brand new movie coming out in a couple of weeks. And I know that Scream really isn't your franchise. Uh, it's never been my bag. I enjoy them, but uh, I've been like a Friday of Michael or a Freddy guy. I'm yeah. very, like, I'm a classics kind of guy, you know? And I'm over here, you know, fighting the good fight that Ghostface should be a part of. The Slashers, the Michaels, the Freddies, the Jasons. I, we've gone over this before. We had a long talk about this. And the we, tier list of Slashers. We have this conversation... Every few months, it just comes up. Look, because S tier, it's like, oh, like Michael Myers. Yes. Or Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees. Uh, I would even say Leatherface, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. I think those ones are like, they're foundational. They're they're the ones that basically Scream is stealing 90% of its gimmick from. From Michael, yes. From Michael. And then, you know, Scream is like, oh, Ghostface. That's neat. It's cool. Yeah, but I think it kind of adds to the slasher genre because we have our S-tier slashers, but over the years, they've evolved from being people into these kind of uh, supernatural They they evolved from being horror movies into comedies. Yeah, and so with Ghostface, he's always a person. He He hasn't transcended into this unkillable being. It's... No, it's always somebody. It could be your significant other. It could be your neighbor. It could be your friend. And I think that's what kind of makes Ghostface scary, in my opinion, because it could be just about anybody. And there is always a odd reason why they're killing. I mean, it goes to the fact that it's a scary murder mystery. Because that, that's what the first Scream movie really is. It's a murder mystery yeah, it's that's not, in the guise of a slasher flick. Yeah, it's not like The Strangers where it's random killings. It's just... They're home. That, also, the Strangers suck. Those movies suck ass. I've only seen the first Strangers movie. That one scared the shit out of me. But... That, I did not like the Strangers. I thought those movies were were actively bad. I didn't like it because... It, just the, the prospects of, yeah, that could happen. You know, just someone coming up to your door, you know. Oh, hey, you know, I, I need to use the phone. Boo. We, are, we do not live anywhere near a place where that could happen i also don't open my door you also don't you live in you live in a, a you don't need to tell people where i live <laughs> you, you, you can go there it's the one that says you know don't scare me on the wall in big red letters uh-huh. but yeah i think that Ghostface is special because it's could be anybody the motive always changes which i like because it's not just your standard slasher film it is a mystery yeah and you got to figure out Who's the killer, and why are they killing this time? But that makes it so convoluted. And I that's I think that's what we're going to get into a lot with the the franchise yeah. as we go through each one. Where, because Ghostface isn't the same killer in every movie. No. And because it always has to be some sort of motive that gets them back to going The beginning. After, gets them back to the beginning or going after Nev Campbell in some way. Yeah, because... It gets really convoluted. Spoiler, if you haven't seen Scream... With Billy, you know, going after Sydney because his dad and her mom were having an affair. It's like, okay, I can understand the anger and why he's doing this. It's like, that makes sense. Stu being Billy's minion is like, well, he's just, you know... (laughs) Stu ain't that bright. He's not that bright. He's a goofball. And it's kind of like, hey, your best friend is telling you this. All right, that sounds cool. I'll go along with you and do this. Okay, I got got, got beef. All right. Um, Why is Stu and Billy friends? Like, why? Because I'm not being weird about this, right? Because they do not seem like the kind of people that would hang out with each other unless their only hobby was killing people. 
Yeah, I mean, I think this would have to, like, we'd really have to dive into the story of, oh, they've been friends since elementary school or something like this. It's just, in this universe, they're friends, and it's just, you know, they're both into horror movies, and, you know, it's probably a thing where Billy was like, hey, you know, I I bet we could probably pull off the perfect murder. And then you have Stu who- It was rope. (laughs) And Stu who's kind of like, yeah, you know, I think so. Let's try it, and- Let's go after my ex-girlfriend. That's another thing. How does Billy pitch this to Stu? I know Stu Mm -hmm. ain't that bright. Mm -hmm. Stu, he's like, oh, peer pressure, man. I'm like, peer Mm pressure? Was Billy like, yo, dog, like, I need you to hit this and, like, passes him a joint? And he's like, all right, I'll hit this. Also, you have to kill somebody for me. He's like, what the fuck? What is the evolution of that conversation? And then that's when we get into Casey Becker, who is Stu's ex-girlfriend. And it could just be a thing of, well, I dare you to kill your ex. Well, she did dump me, so maybe. I love love that. They're just sitting at like a Denny's, right? And he's like, yo, dare you to eat that. Dare you to do a shot of Tabasco. Oh, I got you. I got you. Hey, dare you to to snort some maple syrup. All right, I got you. I got you. Hey, dare you to kill your girlfriend. He's like, fuck yeah, dude. Let's go fucking do this shit. It always comes back to Denny's with you, doesn't it? It it is a place where, you know, philosophers go to to discuss things and also serial killers, but whatever. And Dean is also an avid Denny's lover, so I think I need to kind of watch my back a little bit. Look, you know, anybody out there, if you want to give gifts to the podcast, you can always send us Denny's gift cards. I'm down. (sighs) That's one of those funny things about this movie, because... You know, the weird, like, thought spirals I get into with, like, every movie I watch is... And that's the good one. How does Billy just pitch this to him? It's it's really good. It's really good. But it does lead us to Casey Beckard's, you know, death in the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. And her boyfriend. And her boyfriend. Whatever the fuck his name is. What's his name? I think his name's Steve. Steve? Oh, she went from Stu to Steve. That that probably (laughs) twisted the knife in Stu just a little bit. Just a little bit. She, she upgraded from Matthew Lillard to Matthew Lillard Plus. And then they died, like, five minutes into the movie. Yeah, yeah. And that was, like, a big deal when yeah. the movie came out, right? Well, yeah, because she was supposed to be Sydney, And due to, you know, booking, she was kind of like, well, I can't be Sydney for this movie, so why don't we do, you know, kind of the Marion Crane vibe where we think that this is going to be our, you know, final girl, and really she doesn't. Wait, wait, that's, that's what happened? Yeah, she signed on for the movie. She was going to be Sydney, And I don't know uh, what movie it was at the time that she had signed on for, but she couldn't, you know, fulfill the, the time schedule because it was, I think, a shoot from April to June of 96. Uh-huh. She was just like, hey, I can't do this, but I've got this idea. Would you guys run with that? And it Wait, ended- wait, Drew Barrymore brought that shit? Mm-hmm. She brought that to them and they were kind of like, you know what, that is kind of genius, because Drew Barrymore is still a, a big actress, but at the time, you, you're thinking, you know, this is going to be your leading lady, nothing's going to happen to her. Yeah. So can you imagine the shock of audiences when they went to go see this in the movie theater for the first time, and it's like, okay, we're going to see Drew Barrymore, you know, fight the killer, and it's like, she died. It's just I always like, thought that was in the script, like, at the beginning. No, no. She was slated to be in the entire movie. Wait, so was the movie supposed to open with Sydney and, and Billy the Dawson's Creek scene? I don't know. I haven't seen any scripts, like original scripts, so I don't know how the movie was supposed to open. That's crazy. Yeah. Great crazy, if true, ladies and gentlemen, but that that's kind of lit, because I always thought that was the whole point. Like, oh, they're marketing it like Psycho. They're going to have Drew Barrymore no. be the star. Everybody's going to be convinced by it. And then they kill him in the first five minutes. And everybody's like, what the fuck happened? No, it was Drew Barrymore's idea of, you know, well, hey, I can't be here, but why don't we throw in a psycho element to it and really surprise our audiences, which, you know, led to uh, Nev Campbell being picked up because Wes Craven saw her in an episode of Party of Five. Goddamn, Party of Five. Party When's of Five. the last time you heard that shit spoken aloud? <sighs> Oof, very long time. And I don't think I've ever seen Party of Five. What the fuck is that ne- movie? Neither have I. It's not a movie, it's a, it's a TV series. Oh, God. Early 90s TV. Jesus Early 90s. Christ. And even Nev Campbell was kind of on the fence about being in this movie because she had just done The Craft. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Skeet Ulrich was also in the craft with her. So it was kind of this thing of, you know, do I really want to get, you know, lumped into doing the horror movie, you know, kick? And this was one of the best horror movies of the 90s. It really started, you know, that that kind of revival in uh, the horror genre. Yeah, I mean, just being about, like, the movie's influence, I guess, 
I know we're kind of jumping around, but yeah. that's the vibe we're going on yeah. now. But the movie's influence is undeniable. I mean, good or bad. Yeah. Because can we agree, you know, as as film goers, you yes. know, that there's a lot of Scream ripoff movies that are absolute garbage. Oh, uh, yes. Like, I, I have a deep dislike of the um, I Know What You Did Last Summer franchise. Yeah. <laughs> even the one with Jack Black in it. Even though that one's hilarious. But it... They are not good movies. No, they're not. And those, I think those ones were written by Kevin Williamson. I actually know this for a fact because I did an episode on this in, in the before times, in the long, long ago. Ah. Where Kevin Williamson, he was the writer for Scream, yes. right? Before that, he was trying to get a script done of I Know What You Did Last Summer, but no one wanted to fucking touch it yeah. because they were like, this is weird. I don't like it. Whatever. And yeah, we'll just throw it away. Yeah. And then Scream comes out, and he becomes, like, the hottest screenwriter in the horror genre, and then they buy that fucking script up right away, yeah. and they pump it into production, not realizing, no, you kind of need a good director to make these yeah. things work. And I think that's why, I mean, apart from the story being so good for Scream, mm -hmm. you also have Wes Craven directing it, you know? I, I my, feel Wes Craven is doing a lot of the heavy lifting And here. it's just like... You know, yeah, you know, he's doing a lot of the heavy lifting, but he also had the eye to kind of pick out these characters in the, the movie that really brought the movie together. Because, I mean, you have Randy, who is kind of like the voice of reason in the movie. We mm -hmm. have our two killers, where the whole time you're kind of like, I think you guys are, are up to something. And just seeing, you know, how crazy they are, you know, in the end, Billy is just off the charts nuts. And, you know, Stu is just like, I'm just here for a good time. Yeah. You gotta have a sequel. And it's just, you know, it's just kind of interesting to see how they were able to bring this cast together, and this cast really just knocked it out of the park. Yeah, no, they did really well. And it is it is a thing where Skeet Ulrich, I understand, good-looking gentleman, he looks like somebody who eats people. <laughs> In this movie, Boo, when he's like, hey, Sydney, I was hanging out at my house and I was watching The Exorcist, and I started thinking, it's been a while since we've been, we started banging. And I'm like, I, you look into his eyes, I'm like, that guy eats people. That guy is the army hammer of his day. Uh, I mean... I mean, not, uh, not for real, yeah, obviously, yeah. but like... I mean, I don't get cannibal when I look at him. I don't see... But it's like, it's like, you could tell. It's like, there, there's something not quite right there. And then you have, you I, know... I don't want to insult the guy, but he looks yeah. kind of fucking creepy in this movie. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, he's got that kind of like, you know, oh, yeah, you're a, you're a killer. Yeah, but at the same uh, time, he's kind over here being like, look, you will not besmirch my first crush, all right? Leave me alone. Skeet Ulrich is hot. He's still hot till this day. <laughs> so it's like, I'm not going to say like, ooh, you know, he looks like a, a total creeper, but can he snap into that, you know, kind of that killer look? Yeah, and I think that's impressive that you <laughs> kind of... Only reason who watches Riverdale is because Skeet Ulrich is still fine. That man aged like a fine wine. Hey, that's how I got started on Riverdale. I was like, ooh, Skeet Ulrich is in there. I gotta watch it. And then I was like, okay. I'm like, all right, this is this is a fun show. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. Ooh, it's all this weird teenage banging <laughs> shit. Ooh, it's like Dawson's Creek all over again. <laughs> never watched Dawson's Creek. You never watched Dawson's Creek? No, I know you're a big Vanderbeek fan. <laughs> and I think we talked about that in our first Scream episode. We did. Because, because so much of this movie is... Is Halloween by the way of Dawson's Creek, and it's it's a thing where it's like Dawson's Creek. That show is is bad, but it's one of those like funny bads. Like I can kind of I can kind of vibe on that show. It's like, look, I've had a couple of beers in me, and I kind of want to watch a bad TV show. That that's like that vibe. I mean, it always takes you back to where they're just hanging out in like the quad area where they're just sitting. It's the I opening know. of Friends. It's I look at me and tell me they're not a friends, friends rip -off. I, I think Dean wants to have like a, a chick flick show night where we watch like Riverdale, Dawson's Creek, Friends. Don't even act like you that is not already your watch list tonight. Don't even act like you're not gonna do that. You're gonna watch I, that in Total Divas right after. Ooh, I haven't watched Total Divas in a long time. I got a lot to watch tonight. <laughs> but but yeah, but that's the thing. Like that 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 scene where at the fountain when he's jumping in through the window and I think it's literally playing the Dawson's theme. And no, that scene where he talks about you know I was watching The Exorcist. They're actually playing Don't Fear the Reaper. That's right. That that was another thing. Like I, it might be that I have that fucking Mandela effect going on because mm. I remember it being like this really like sweet like oh it's like a romantics mm. like score there, but it's Don't Fear the Reaper. I watched that. Yeah. Like whenever whenever i had to watch this for this for the show and i was like 
wait a minute. What the? I stopped the movie. I found that scene on YouTube because I'm like, no, 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 no. The, the music's wrong. Why no. Is, like, don't be the Reaper. Because the music's right. I, I, I swear to God, I just formed the, the different memory in my head all those years because ago. Because it's always about Dawson's Creek to you. I'm and this sorry. is a horror movie. James Vandenbeek's, you know, my boy. I'm sorry. Yeah, so James, if you're listening, can you please send Dean your autograph? Because he loves you so much. Oh, God. He's part of the Beat Club. You know, come on. So, oh. so yeah. So we have, you know, another tie-in to Halloween because we have Don't Fear the Reaper. That's played in Halloween. We get Halloween at least brought into the movie three times. We have it brought in with Casey Becker in the beginning. She talks about that being her favorite scary movie. We have Don't Fear the Reaper. And then at the end of the movie, at the house where everything happens, that's what all the kids are watching. They're watching Halloween until they find out that uh, Principal... What, what is Pr- Principal Fonzie. Yes, I was going to say that. And I'm like... It's not right, but yeah, Fonzie bites the big one, yeah. and all the kids take off, and Randy's like, "Well, I'm gonna sit here and watch Halloween because why not? We've got a curfew. There's killers on the loose. I'm gonna watch Michael Myers, which hell yeah, I agree with." Yeah. Also, there's way more references to Halloween in this movie. That is ninety percent of this movie. This movie is like it's super meta, and it's being like, "Oh, we're gonna point out all the flaws in horror movies." Yeah. And we're gonna use like Halloween as like our template, right? Yeah. But it's a thing where it's like, hey, we're going to point out that this trope is a thing in horror movies, and then we're going to do that trope. Dean loves tropes. It, I, yeah, but it's also kind <laughs> of fucking weird. You got look, when they, when she's like, yo, I don't understand why the, why the big titty girl is running, you know, up the stairs instead of out the front door. And then they're like, okay, now we're going to set it up so she has to be the big titty girl running up the stairs instead of out the that, front door. That's what's hilarious. But it also, you know, feeds into um, the f- fight or flight mode where, okay, Sydney does the right thing. She's going to run out of the house instead of fighting back. And she can't get the chain off of the door. So it's like, well, I know I just said this thing where the big-titted girl goes running up the stairs, and it's like, well, shit, I have to go running up the stairs, kind of go with that trope, but at the same time, she goes up the stairs, and she calls the police. Not like other no, movies no, no, where... No, 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 she doesn't call the police. She, what is she it? She emails. Emails? Also, she emailed the police. I didn't know that was a real <laughs> thing. I thought that was a joke. I don't know if that's real or not. I <laughs> did, was did I was only so. Did she like direct message them? I don't this know. This is early nineties. This is early nineties. I you know technology was a different beast back then. So I don't know if that was a thing. Also, the phone's off the hook. Yeah. This is the early nineties. They're on fucking dial up. Yeah. That message is not going through to the police. I remember like, dial up. I, I I remember dial up as well. You ever like? Try to, like, you know, type something, or you're using the internet, and you pick up the phone, and it sounds like a banshee's whale. Yeah. Or your internet just drops off completely. Yeah. Those are the good days. Good days. Those were. But yeah, back to Scream. Yes. The opening of this movie is, like, really good, because, like, oh, Casey Beckard, murdered, psycho reference, then we go into Dawson's Creek, and then we go into, (laughs) then we go into, it's like, oh, they're at the school, and it's like, they're all at the, the, the fountain right and it's friends and then it's like oh now now sydney's being attacked by the killer and it's like the phones and then it's like oh billy shows up and he looks like a fucking psychopath he does i'm sorry like i'm sorry he looks like a psychopath and i think you're missing one of the biggest easter eggs in this movie you know apart from apart from the fucking like 15 pound cell phone brick skeet Ulrich drops in the bedroom yeah we also get linda blair in this movie Wait, 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 we get, we get the exorcist girl in this movie? Yes, we do. When they go back to school after Casey Backer's been murdered, and it's this whole melee with all the reporters. Is she, she one of the reporters? She's one of the reporters. With Gail Weathers? With, yeah, Gail Weathers is there. Your, your other tie to friends, because you are on a friend's kick right now. I I don't think I have ever watched a single episode of Friends to completion. I highly recommend it. It's a y- good show. You have watched the entirety of Friends. Over and over. Yes, I have. So, like, I'm pointing this out because I know nothing except the opening sequence, right? Because that's usually all I can get through before I change the channel. Which is why you should watch Friends, so you can see the the contrast and see what's going on. Because Courtney Cox, who plays Gail Weathers, approached Wes Craven and was like, I want to be part of this movie. They were kind of like, well, we know you as Monica, and Monica's, you know, the nice girl in Friends. And she's like, no, I want to be a bitch. I want to show that I have, you know... I that have other, range. I have range. And 
Yeah, that's who we get, you know, from Gail. Gail's just like, well, yeah, I know your mom died last year and, you know, someone was bound to write a book about it, so I should be the first one to do it. Like, no hard feelings, I'm just trying to, you know, get my name out there. Gail being kind of a bitch over here. She's a determined bitch in this movie. Determined bitch? She's determined. She's gonna, you know, make her show popular. And, I mean, we see the range. Get knocked out by a high schooler. Yeah, I mean... Sydney got a, a good uh, right cross. <laughs> she took her down. Yeah, it was, it was good. Like Sydney got a got a uh, definitely a career in you know women's boxing after this. Like hey, I maybe mean, her and Jake Paul could like throw a couple of rounds together. My money's on Nev Campbell every time. Uh, she's probably a foot taller than than Jake Paul anyway. <laughs> probably. I actually have no idea how tall. I think he's like as tall as I am. I don't know. I mean, I don't care about Logan or Jake Paul. But, uh... We're talking about their Game Boy table a minute ago. I was very upset because those poor Game Boys, but it looked kind of fire, though. Anyway... Back to the movie. Back to the movie. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see how the characters have spanned over the course of... Now it's going to be five movies. Yeah. But since we haven't seen the fifth movie yet, over the four movies, because, you know... At this point, they're kind of strangers to each other. You know, Gail doesn't know Sydney. She doesn't know Dewey. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of interesting to see the foundation that's, you know, been put in place because of this movie. Not only because they're survivors, but they end up being close friends throughout the rest of the franchise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing where a lot of this is really dependent on do you like the main characters? Yeah. Because it's like Sydney, she's supposed to be like kind of the... You know, oh, she's the American teenager, right? But she's, like, yeah. she's smarter than, you know, the average slasher heroine. She's a little bit more, like, confident. She's able to, like, do things without, you know, flumming some up or some shit. She's not the the kind of girl in some of these horror movies where she just screams the entire time or... Screams, runaways, hides, and yeah, it's gets like, the upper hand in the last ten minutes. It's like, she's smart. She knows when she needs to get out. She's been able to fight back, and you're able to tell kind of when she's fighting with Stu, because Stu, when you see the two killers in different aspects, you could tell which is Billy and which is Stu. And Stu is the one that takes a lot of the falls and the hits with, like, doors and everything. Yeah, he, he's the <laughs> he, one doing the comics shit. Yeah, so you're able to see that she's kind of, like, able to outwit them. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, when we get to the end of the movie, yeah, she's able to outsmart the two of them. She's, you know, hidden in Stu's house, and it's just kind of like... Also, <laughs> what the fuck does Stu's parents do? Because that place All is a manor. I mean, his house, uh, Sydney's house, it's these beautiful homes, and it's just like, yeah, what do the parents do, and where do they go? Because, I mean, okay, Sydney's dad leaves on a business trip. Yeah, business trip, and then Billy and Stu kidnap him, and then keep him, like, in Stu's basement. But, okay... I'm going down the spiral again, the rabbit hole. <sighs> All right, so Billy and Stu, we'll, we'll say for the sake of argument, they were at the Denny's and, you know, the dare up, right? Yes. And then Stu's like, All right, we killed him. And then Bill's like, All right, I dare you to go kidnap Sydney's dad and we're going to keep him trapped in your basement. Also, we're going to do it until your parents come back from wherever the fuck. So they kidnap him, keep him under there. They have to be like feeding him, right? And, like, taking some amount of care of him? Because they're going to frame him for these murders. I mean, I'm just trying to kind of... I think that was the f one thing in the first, you know, episode that we did of this. Was trying to figure out the timeline. It's like, are we going off of days? I think it's, like, the span of, what, like, three days? Because we have Casey's murder. We have them the next day at school. And I think that's when the curfew goes in effect. Yeah, yeah. That's when they're just like, all right, curfew goes into effect. But we have a night... In between there, because that's when Sydney gets attacked, when she's by herself, yeah. and that's when she goes to the, the place, knocks out Gail, and then we have another day at school. And then that's when... And then the, that's the party. So, it, yeah, I guess it has to be, like, two the, or three days? Two or three days. So, Billy is there, you know, at the house, because, you know, I saw The Exorcist and blah, blah, blah. So, was Stu kidnapping Sydney, Sydney's dad as he was distracting her in the bedroom? Actually, now that you put it like that, yeah, that is probably what happened. Billy's up there. That's probably why he showed up. Yeah. He showed up distracting Sydney, and then Stu bum rushes and kidnaps Sydney's dad. Yeah, because, you know, um, Matthew Lillard is very tall. So <laughs> well, it's just no, like... No, I get he's tall, but also Sydney's dad looks like a giant in this in this movie. 
in the beginning, when he pokes his head through the door, he's like, Sydney, and he's like a foot and a half taller than Nev Campbell. The guy's a, a mountain. But I'm just saying, you know, kind of makes sense. He sent, you know, the, the tall guy in <laughs> no, to no, kidnap Billy the Billy was like, I need plausible <laughs> deniability. It's yeah. like, he's, Billy's probably like, I don't think I could take Sydney's dad like one on one. So I'm gonna send Stu after him because if if Sydney's dad knocks his ass out, I could definitely say Stu is is the killer and I can get away. Yeah, they, they're keeping him in the basement, so they gotta be feeding him. Does he have a poop bucket down there? How is he using the bathroom? Because he's tied up. You're forgetting this is a movie. Movies people just don't go to the bathroom. Look, that is something I've noticed in all these movies. I think. I was talking to Randy for the film Odyssey. Yeah, I'll say not not Randy Meeks. No, no, not, my, not Jamie my brother, Kennedy. Yes, my brother. We do another podcast called the Film Odyssey. Go watch it. Send me presents, but don't send him presents. We were watching it, and we were watching Pulp Fiction, right? Yeah. And in that movie, it's like a point that John Travolta's character goes to the bathroom. Yeah, like a lot. He's like, "I'm gonna go take a piss" or whatever. It's like, yeah, what he says to like leave a scene. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, oh, he's in the bathroom, like, washing his hands, and he's trying to, like, talk to himself. Or yeah. he's in the bathroom, and he gets killed by Bruce Bruce Willis. Yeah. Life happens. And I was thinking about it, and I asked him, like, straight up, I'm like, how many movies do you see where people go into the bathroom? To, like, actually use the bathroom, and it's not, like, you know, for a dialogue. Where, they're like, oh, they run to the bathroom, and they, like, talk to somebody. Yeah. Where they go in and, like, use the bathroom. And he was like, there's gotta be one. Like, just give me a minute. Give me a minute. He sat there, and I, I cut out like ten minutes of him just like hard thinking, trying to think of a single movie where he's like, "Do I ever? Do we ever see anybody go in to take a piss in a movie where it's just a piss? Like they're going in there and it's just like, oh, they're using the bathroom, yeah, and like leave. There's white, no bathroom scene. White chicks. There's a whole bathroom scene. I, you got one. All right. No, I, I got one. I didn't have to. You know. I like it. how you brought up the masterpiece, the master stroke of the Wayne's brothers, known as white chicks. Hey, he has dairy, doesn't know he's eating dairy, and then bathroom is essential. So, yeah. <laughs> we Honestly, we could probably get a lot of bathroom scenes if we go for raunchy's 2000s comedies. Pretty much, yeah. But but that's like the thing. that Again, the thought spiral is they have him tied up in the basement. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, we're going to frame him for these murders. And I'm like, how are you going to explain? It's like, yeah, he must have been murdering people where his pants are filled with piss and shit because he's obviously been tied up for days. Well, yeah, and that's what that, and that's what the, the point they make is, you know, his hands have been bound. It's like, it's going to show that he's been tied up. You know, it's going to be clear to the police when they're investigating. Hey, this guy, you know, he's a little on the weak side, you know, because they're going to run toxicology and all of that stuff. Oh, hey, look, you know, he's got marks on his wrist, like his hands have been taped up together for days. Also, we went into your basement, and it looks like somebody's been, like, tied up and living in there for mm-hmm. a couple of days, Billy. Mm-hmm. And Stu. Also, like, that's the thing, like, their plan is so shit. Yeah, because... so shit. Because they're teenagers. They, <laughs> they're not really thinking, you know, all the way through, you know. Yeah, they keep you going for through the movie, because it's just... Holy crap, who is doing this? Why are they doing it? And then it's like, holy crap, it's two people doing this. It's not just one killer that's out there on the loose, which I think was, you know, kind of genius in doing this movie, was that it's not the one killer. You've got two killers on the loose. Well, the thing is, is doing two killers, it's the only plausible way to make the kills work. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, you know how, like, a lot of slasher movies, oh, it looks like, you know, Jason's walking at you and then he just appears around the yeah. corner. And in this, it's like, oh, how is it, like, the ghost-faced guy is able to, like, call them and then just jump out while he's inside the mm-hmm. house. You, they weren't able to hear It's because, you know, whoever's on the phone is, like, probably next door. Yeah. Or, like, watching through, like, some fucking bushes. And then the actual guy who's doing the killing is like, oh, I'm going in. You know, one person plays dis- distraction. The other yeah. one, you know, makes the play. And... Man, their methodology, like, they got this. And having two killers is a really, like, good way to gloss over serial killers are magic. Yeah. But then it's like, their fucking plan is shit. <laughs> like, Billy has motive. Yeah. He has motive. I can, sure, got it, cool, whatever. Stu, again, that that, de- <laughs> that uh, double dog dare at Denny's really got to him. He did not, he can't turn it down. After hanging out at the crick. Uh, yes, after hanging out at the crick. And, yeah. <laughs> And, um, after that, then it's like, so Sydney's mom's been dead for like a year. Yeah. Billy killed her, right? 
Yes. So Billy Kilder, and he's like, I've been planning this for a year. I'm going to get back at all these, at you, because of your mom, blah, blah, blah. And he couldn't have come up with something better than, I'm going to kidnap your dad. Blame it all on him, because he'll have motive, right? He'll snap. But I'm going to do it in a way that's going to make it very obvious that there's no way he could have done it physically. It would have been easier if he just blamed it all on Stu. Actually, that probably is should have been his real thing. Actually, wait a goddamn minute. Oh, God. Dean is really far in the rabbit hole right now. I know, but I think I see a light at the end of the tunnel. That's probably why Billy stabbed the shit out of Stu. I think Billy, at the end, he knew he couldn't get away with blaming it on Sydney's dad. He was going to just, like, dress Sue up, Stu up as, and he's like, oh, we struggled for the knife, and I stabbed him, and I found out it was Stu. He probably was just going to blame it all on fucking Stu. But then it would have, you know... It would have fallen apart again, because even if he dressed him in the ghost face costume, there's going to be no incision holes from the knife, because no. they're stabbing each other plain clothes. Or or here's the thing. Maybe he's like, yeah, Stu, you know, tried to stab me, blah, blah, blah. And so he kills him, and then they're going to be like, oh, shucks, now where is everything? Oh, the ghost face costume is in Stu's hall closet. Hmm. With this ominously sharp umbrella. That comes up at the end of the movie. but You're going to set that beard on fire if you stroke it any harder. Hey, hey, it is going to happen. But But a a big conspiracy that everyone has been talking about, and even I've kind of fallen into (laughs) that rabbit hole too, when we see Stu die, when uh, Sidney knocks the TV onto his face, Yeah, and a lot of people have said, well, you know, yeah, you could get hit by a TV, but it's not necessarily going to kill you. So, but the TV also wasn't that big, so a lot of people are speculating he could have crawled out from under the TV and just been gone the entire time. But then it oh, turns that into been so much bullshit. But then it turns into well, it would have been a known thing throughout the rest of the movies that Stu's body wasn't there. He's missing or on the run. It would have been a thing where look. Like, this is a retrospective on the first movie. Yes. And this is a thought logic hole. And I know now we're talking about, like, the this in context of the wider franchise. Yes. And in the wider franchise, if I find out, in, if I go into Scream <laughs> 5, look me in the <laughs> eyes when I say this. If I go into Scream 5 and it turns out Matthew Lillard <laughs> is the killer, I'm going to punch a bitch. I'm going to be so mad. I'll be like, you mean to tell me we could have Matthew Lillard in Scream 2, Scream 3, Scream 4, and he ain't in that shit? I'll be mad. We need so, Shaggy in more movies. So I should wear my helmet when I go see Scream Five. I so in see. case you punch me, I'm a little protected. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna punch you. Obviously, I'm gonna punch that bitch, Gail Weathers, <laughs> in her in her book writing face. But I like, think Gail I'm, could take you. Probably Courtney Cox. She she looks like she can you know throw some hands. But like that's my thing. It's like that would be the biggest like fuck you retcon. <laughs> Ever. I mean, that's what they keep saying. That Scream Five is super meta, and I'm like, oh my god! Look, it, it's gonna what be... happens if he survived? If he if because <sighs> it can't be Skeet because I mean he was stabbed in the chest twice. Oh no, they who stabbed multiple times. They, she stabbed him with the umbrella twice, well, and then she shot even... him in the forehead. Yeah, shot him square in the fucking forehead. You don't boo boo. When, when one of the wounds is he was shot square on the forehead, every other wound is superfluous. Oh, no. I mean, you should see some of the conspiracies that I'm seeing in, like, one of the, like, the scream groups that I follow. I mean, there's one where people are saying that, like, Jill from Scream 4 has come back from the gates of hell and brought, you know, all those killers back in the past. I'm like, no, no, this is not how Scream 5 is going to be. This no no, it's just like <laughs> look look like here like <laughs> it's it's one of those things where it's like the first movie the movie as it is yes. is is very good and it is actually like really entertaining and it's like oh it, it actually is like really clever but then ooh but that's kind of why I'm like I'm really excited to have like a, a whole month to like go down this rabbit hole yeah because it's like the movies just go in weird places. Oh, yeah. Every, I think everything after, like, Scream 2 is, is like, almost, like, I would say, like, objectively can get, or, like, kind of bad. 
I think Scream 3 is objectively a bad movie. You can, I can spoil yeah. that one. Yeah, I mean... I can I, say, like, Scream 4 is not a very good movie. I, I really like Scream 4. I kind of have it higher up on my list. I think that's something we should do for... After we see Scream 5, I think we should kind of rank them in our opinions and see kind of where the movies land. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I would agree with that. Because it's one of those things where, like, I think the w- number one spot at this point is very predictable. Yeah. It, But it's everything else is kind of funky. Because I... Do you have to admit, other than the, the first Scream movie, the one we're talking about right yeah. now, I have not seen a single other Scream movie in, like, ten years. Oh, no, I, I watch them often, so it's like I... It, it's I, like your favorite, like, it, horror franchise, yeah, right? Yeah, with Halloween, it's like my favorite horror franchise, but the first movie... Because, yeah, I agree with you. They, they take crazy turns once we get towards the, the sequel movies, but this movie is just... It's a very simple story, you know, once you understand why he's doing this, it's like, okay, he's pissed off that because his dad had an affair with her mom, his mom hightailed it out of there. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, I can understand that. But at the same time, it's like, so because your dad had an affair and your mom left the two of you, you're going to go on a killing spree and kill, you know, people that you go to school with, just people in your town, your girlfriend, it's just like... Bill, Billy is not a well boy. <laughs> no, and I mean, we see that, because you're able to see it throughout the movie. You could tell that there's something not quite right about Billy. And Sydney's yeah. able to tell that, too. And it's, you know, once that... I don't think Sydney can tell that. No, she's able to tell that there's something not quite right. I mean, they're still, they're still you know... Yeah, they in, do. In and she, she breaks the cardinal rules, she, which, you know... Once she gets that skeet all rich cock, you know. She does, and you know, to go with the the tropes, you know, no sex, no drugs, no you know drinking. Um, it kind of you know makes you think. Well, shit, you know, she broke one of the rules. She might not survive it if Drew Barrymore didn't survive the beginning of the movie. Why is the girl from the craft going to survive it? Exactly. It's like you know there might not be any final girl in this movie, and it's just like no, she's able to outsmart them and that's when we see you know billy really loses his shit when he starts destroying um Stu's house he's stabbing he's stabbing the cushions that i mean he hits him in the back of the head with the phone okay which was not scripted he just (laughs) that is like the famous thing about that he's like give me the phone dick (laughs) that the ending of this movie like the climax of this movie it's like probably one of the best parts of the whole franchise just because it's like Okay, Sydney gets the he- gets you know the leg up. She's mm-hmm. able to outsmart these guys. Billy and Stu are now revealed to be the total incompetent dumbasses that they are. And it kind of like, turns into Home Alone, where a, a little she, bit she's loose in the house, and the the two you know the killers are after her, and she's just like, "No, I'm gonna hide in this closet. No, I'm gonna stab you with an umbrella. And so I'm gonna take you guys out." And it's just like, "Fuck yeah!" You know, you have these two guys that have been terrorizing this small town. And you have your final girl that's like, you know what? I'm going to take care of business and put these two guys down. Girl power. Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, it's one of those things where (laughs) like, this is just a really good movie. It's a good movie. Uh, I mean, I'm still, you know, in awe that that climax of the movie took 20 days to film. 20 nights. Wait, the climax? Yeah. Do you mean like the party and everything? Yeah, the the party and the, the climax of the movie where, you know people are being shot and stabbed that took about i think that took 20 days or 20 nights for them to film and then their um their cinematographer ended up being fired a week before uh principal photography was finished because uh, i think uh what was it west craven was going back through the footage and they noticed that some of the footage was blurry and out of focus yeah and, you would get fired for that shit and he was just like you know, you're not going to fire me because that means you have to fire, you know, the he, rest of the... He has to fire the whole camera crew. When you... And they did. Yeah. <laughs> that's was just that's like... a thing that people don't don't realize. Like, when you hire a cinematographer, usually you're hiring an entire, like, like camera crew. Yeah, a team. Yeah. So it's like, that's why it's usually really hard to fire people, like, in those kind of positions. Because yeah. when you fire them, you're firing, like, 12 fucking people. Yeah. And which they did because, yeah, you know, you have this... You know, well, 
at the time, I don't know if they thought this movie was going to be as big as it was when it hit the theaters. I don't think so. Most people didn't have a lot of faith in this movie. I know that much. Everybody thought it was a comedy well, at first, and that's that why everybody and... passed on it. And then Wes Craven came on, and he was like, he was almost given like carte blanche to do it because they're like, okay. It's a it's our horror movie. We're just gonna dump it whenever. Well, that and when they also released it, I think it only hit fourteen hundred theaters, mm-hmm. and they did another release in ninety seven, like maybe April or May, early in the year, and that's when you know the rest of the cash kind of just flew in because in December when it dropped, it was massive wherever whatever lucky theaters got it. Yeah. So yeah, you know it's. Even if they weren't anticipating it to be this blockbuster movie, you still don't want to have a movie where everything is perfect and in focus. And then, you know, the last, you know, the climax of your movie is... Looks like dog shit. Yeah. So he was surprised they all got fired. And, I mean, this new guy came in and was able to do it in under a week and finish the movie. And it was just, like, 20 days to film, tons and tons of blood, and then you have, you know... Some of it's out of focus. And it's just like, I would not want to be that cinematographer that, would you, you know. Would you, if you were Wes Craven, like, you'd, you'd probably strangle somebody, right? Oh, definitely. I mean, as a photographer, it's already, you have to really, really focus and look and make sure that everything is clear and focused, ready to go. Otherwise, you screw up the whole shoot. So it's just like, what were you doing that you weren't, you know, looking at it and, oh, yeah, that doesn't quite look right. That's kind of fuzzy. I'm I'm going to say that's my artistic choice. Like, no, you're going to ruin the movie. <laughs> he's looking at it. He's like, no, nah, it looks fine to me. Says through Coke bottle thick glasses. <sighs> but neither here nor there. Actually, that is kind of here because we're, we're here talking about this movie. And we're also talking about the climax of the movie. Yeah, which is a really good climax. Yeah, because I mean, there's so many different elements to it because you have the party and then you have the news crew, and it's just interesting to see how... What was Gail hoping to get by spying on a like high school party? I think she was just trying to get the, the killer in action, because it was just... So Gail was like, yo, got a bunch of teens here. They're all going to get blasted. I'm not going to tell the cops, though, but I am going to watch so I can I might be able to get an exclusive of like a snuff film. Whatever it takes, I guess. Man, Gail's a bitch! So, Fuck Gail Weathers! And, and I think it was unique storytelling-wise that there's a 30-second delay in the camera that she sets up. It, it That does do a lot to set tension. Because we see um, Randy's about to be killed when he's laying on the couch finishing Halloween. Mm-hmm. Then something distracts him and the killer takes off and it's like, well, where did he go? And then that's when you get the cameraman, you know, getting God across the throat. And it's just like, okay, so that sets up one of the killers being outside the chase, you know, whoever is outside, leaving Billy, wherever he needs to get to in the house to set up for the next series of kills. Mm -hmm. So I, I just think, you know, it's smart on their part, kind of just, well, yeah, you know, why don't we do something as simple as a 30 second delay? It's just kind of like thinking outside of the box. Yeah, that's probably the the good way to look at it. It is a really just, it's a really smart and simple way to get through a lot of those, you know, narrative device things going on. And it's also another thing where it's like, oh, having two killers. It makes it like, it makes the movie make way more sense. Yeah, and because it, we see yeah. um, in that scene, because, you know, that's when Gail, she takes off in the news van and she crashes into the ravine. And then you have randy running after sydney into the house and she's kind of like you know well maybe you're the killer and then matthew or not matthew lord but um Stu comes from you know where the the news van would have gone off into the ravine and he's running behind and he is also pouring sweat you can tell he ran a fucking mile so it's like okay it's like we have that killer now we know which one of the two killers was out there you know doing the whole thing with the keys and you know the Uh, okay we can just cut to the chase. You just want to know who the killer was for every scene. Oh, there, there's videos where people have figured it out. The, oh, oh, so so we know definitively now. More or less, yeah. Because <laughs> that was a thing when we did this the first time. You were like, look, I want at least 45 minutes to talk about why each one is the killer and how there's the hand theory and all this other yeah. stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that was a whole thing, too, about how uh, the kills were done and, you know who holds the knife in a certain way. 
And it's like, yeah, you know, once you watch the movie more than once, you could see those subtle differences. But first viewing of this, it's just, oh my god, this guy is coming out of every single door. How does he do this? Now that we have probably sufficiently spoiled the hell out of this movie. Yes. Uh, spoiler alerts, since we'll do it at some point in this video. Um... I guess you know final thoughts on the on the movie. I guess where it sits in the in the canon of the of the series. You know, it's the first one in the series. Basically, it, this is the movie that all the other ones kind of feed off of, and yeah. it's the setup and it's the setup and payoff for all of them from here on out. Yeah. But this movie standing on its own. Thoughts? I mean, this one takes the throne. Takes takes the throne. Yeah, I mean, I'm always excited for a new scream movie, but the first one is always going to be at the top. Yeah, I mean, the first one, I think, is the most well-made. And I think yeah. a lot of that goes to Wes Craven. Yeah. Because I think we're... Was the fourth one directed by Wes Craven, or that was the first one he didn't direct? Was that before mm. or after he passed? No, I think this one... I think he was a part of the fourth. The fifth one is the one where he obviously isn't a part of, because he passed away, I think, right after four. I think so, yeah. But I, from interviews and articles that I've read... They've really tried to keep it, like, in Wes's wheelhouse. They're trying to make sure that they pay homage to him. So, hopefully, Scream 5 is amazing and feels like Wes Craven had his hand in it, even though he's not here with us anymore. Yeah. It, but th but that's my thing. Like, Wes Craven, like, watching this film and watching, you know, Hills of Eyes or Last House on the Left or Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Like, I can see it's like, oh, he has a style. He has, like, yeah. a, a way he, like, makes the movies. He has a way he likes to frame things. He has a way to, like, tell his stories. Mm -hmm. And I think his direction in this one particular is, like, the strongest part. Yeah. Whereas the script, I'm like, if this was given to anybody else, this would have been a worse movie. Yeah, and I I think it also helped that um, the script, when it was being written, it was also partially about the, the Gainesville Ripper from Florida, mm -hmm. who was killing college students at the time. So it wasn't just like, you know, oh, well, I have this idea about, you know, these teenage murderers. It was like, no, you know, the, uh, Kevin Williamson took something from the news that kind of freaked them out. And was like, hey, how can we elaborate this story into something that kind of feels feels tied to reality? Because the Gainesville Ripper, when they were kind of doing their interviews with him, he wanted to be like Ted Bundy, where he was famous. Oh and yeah, that was he was that guy. Yeah, he was that guy. So that's how it kind of ties into Scream the movie because they want to be the famous survivors. They were the ones that took down the murderer. When in reality, they are the murderers. Nah, Billy wanted to be the survivor. You know, he Billy was gonna throw Stu underneath the fucking bus. I mean, in the beginning of the scene, you think, you know, okay, they're bros. They're not gonna do anything. But once they get into that stabbing game of, you know, we gotta make it look real. And it's just like, you know what? You kind of stabbed me a little hard. I'm gonna stab you harder in two times. And it's just like... It's like, wait, are you trying to throw him under the bus or is this just turning into a pissing contest of, you know, ouch, that hurt. Now I'm going to really make you hurt. Yes. Yes. It, yes for both. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm just going with this. I think this is a really good movie. I would recommend it to anybody. Yeah. And I mean, it's really, um, it's really slated its place in pop culture too. Because yeah, I, I think Ghostface has cemented himself as being part of the at least the horror community pop culture echelon. Yeah, because, I mean, I've seen the, the programs, uh, the screen programs from MTV. I don't know if you've seen them. No, actually. <laughs> All right. We're, tangent. Super quick. I swear it'll be fast. I watched the entirety of the first two seasons or the first season mm -hmm. of the MTV Scream series in a night. Yeah. I think it was the whole first season. Yeah, it wasn't that long. It, it was easy to kind of burn through it. Well, the thing is, I binge-watched the whole thing because I'm like, oh, Scream? Cool, because I thought it was the fucking movie. And then no. it opened, and I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, no, this is something else. All right, whatever, I'll watch it. Yeah, cool. And I binge-watched the whole thing, and I'm like, man, this show is so fucking cringy. But mm -hmm. God damn it, I watched the whole thing. Yeah. And, yeah, no, that show is... 
is max level cringe. Like I, yeah. it it hurt my body. But I watched the whole. It was the Dawson's Creek thing. It's like I couldn't look away. He loves his Dawson's Creek. Ah, God, I don't. Even, I don't even remember if I've ever watched Dawson's Creek. It might Dawson's Creek in my mind might be an amalgamation of bullshit references I've seen in my life, and that's what I think Dawson's Creek is. But just to kind of you know throw it, you know. It's, you know, been turned into a show. It's not the scream that we know from the movies. It's its own kind of um, mutation into this new story. And, yeah, I ended up watching both seasons. Um, I mean, at least every Halloween since Scream has come out, there has been ghost face costumes. Yeah. I mean, I, that was a big thing that I remember from elementary school, I think, before I even watched the movie, was that I saw kids dressed as ghost face. And then remembering how the costume evolved into the ghost face that would bleed from the mask. I remember that And one, it had, yeah. you know, like the little heart thing that would squeeze the, the blood into the mask. And it's just... That goofy Halloween... Like, honestly, I think Ghostface has survived so long. Yeah. Because that costume is so easy. And it's, it's so cheap. So easy, so cheap. Um, it's, you know, thank you to Wes Craven who fought to have that costume be Ghostface because the the studio was like, well, you know, just have, you know, our people here design something for you. And he just went with his gut and was like, that's it. Didn't they find it at like a thrift stop or something? They found it at a store and it belonged to, um, I think it was like Wizards uh, Costume Company. And finally he just told me, you know what, every design that they're coming with is not my vision. This is my vision. And he just like, you know, he called them and I was like, hey, could we use this for our movie? And they gave them the okay. And it was just like this costume that was just kind of like... They were probably like, you mean the one we were selling for like 15 bucks? And you're going to pay us how much to put in the movie? Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. You, yeah. Fuck, you, we'll deliver the papers right now. Yeah. And it's still a very popular thing. And it's like, I think it's cool that, you know, 25 years later, Scream is still very, very much tied to pop culture. And that's why we're going to be talking about it. For the rest of this month. Rest of January. All Scream. And that's why next week we're talking about Scream 2. But if they wanted to listen to that, where can they go? Well, if you want to listen to us on a different platform than you currently are, you can find us on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and we're also on YouTube. Yeah, you can go to our YouTube channel, In The Frame. That's right, In The Frame at YouTube.com. Yeah, go and... Check out our videos. We have a bunch of podcast videos on there. It's a lot of fun. And uh, leave comments and shit. Maybe we'll respond. We probably will. Probably. We got time on our hands to respond. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, boo. So, any last words? We all go a little mad sometimes. So cringe. Don't care. We're talking about Scream 2 next week. See you next week at the film club. Have a good week, everybody.